Welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network, coming to you from the TeacherCast studios since 2011. Join us each week as we bring you the latest educational news, ed tech updates, and hottest interviews with today's most influential leaders in education. And now, for your host, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is TeacherCast podcast episode number 216. Today, we're going to be talking all about the future of learning. And obviously, guys, we just went through a lot in the present of learning. We're gonna be talking about all of that with our guest today, Mr. Andy Calkins. I am so excited to have him on a guest and learn what he thinks the future of education is. But before that, I wanna remind you guys that we've got some great stuff happening these days on the TeacherCast Educational Network. We are now into episode three of our six-part series with our friends at Promethean talking about what is the future of the classroom, what does digital learning look like, and every single Monday morning we drop our Ask the Tech Coach podcast. We just put out three great episodes all about creating digital uh, breakout rooms, how to do the Google Educator groups that are now out there and wildly popular, and how you guys can land your tech coach job this summer. We hope that you guys check it out. If you're interested in learning how to do great professional development in your community, we would love to have you guys check it out. Everything over at askthetechcoach.com only as part of the TeacherCast Educational Network. What I bring on today, my guest today, Mr. Andy Calkins, who is a I will say an expert in all things education and moving our, the needle forward to figure out where we are going and how we can best set up our educational system. Andy, welcome to the show. Welcome to TeacherCast. Thank you, Jeff. And I'm going to correct you already. I'm not the expert. It's the educators and especially the teachers that we work with who are the experts in all this. Oh, I definitely agree with that. We are, of course, our experts in our own domains. But first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a product of a supremely education-focused family growing up in Cleveland, Ohio. I live right now north of Boston in Gloucester, or as we say here, Gloucester. Um, and um, I, most days I feel like I have possibly the best job in the world. Um, and the reason why I say that, Jeff, is that uh, we get to work in the most optimistic and um, earth-changing and impatient and visionary slice of the public schools world. And that means I get to hang out every day with educators who are really rethinking and reimagining what learning and school design and and community engagement and district design um, should be and could be. You know, when we're looking at education and redesign, obviously many educators have been having this on the front of their minds for the last, oh, what are we at, 15, 16 weeks by this point. You know, when we started uh, thinking about leaving school back in March, we didn't imagine that this was going to be the rest of the school year. And obviously, as we're going into the summertime now, there's many schools that are looking at this going, do we come back? Do we not come back? Is it going to be a hybrid model? Are you going to be teaching a full class with a bunch of computers doing video conferencing at the same time you're physical? What are all these different things? I got to ask, over the last 15 weeks, what have you seen as far as the educational landscape? Uh, I see equal parts of um, fear and um, 
little dashes of hope and embracing of of the potential of of some new realities the the, the fear comes because we all we all of us have been thrust into new circumstances that none of us like um in particular including you know all of the sort of education transformers that we work with so much of what they do is rooted in deeply personal interactions and relationships and community building that they need to do in person um and so you know there's one narrative coming out of all this that says oh well now every district and every school in the country has been thrust into a position where they they have to rethink learning and they have to go to remote instruction and all of that and maybe this is shoving everybody you know towards the future and it's it's not a 100% a bad thing. Well, that may or may not be true, but nobody would have picked this particular route as the best way to move into what we call next-gen learning. Well, when we're looking at this whole idea of moving into something, I, I often ask myself the question, is it better that we basically had to rip the Band-Aid off and do this immediately, or hey, let's have a couple summits a year and plan for the future and maybe it'll happen. I mean, you know, really, if you go back to the beginning of the spring here, we had 48 hours. You know, I remember clearly sitting in that meeting where it's, things are going to change. We're going to cancel this. We're going to move these things around. And, and this is the way it's going to work. And then the next day it's, oh, by the way, pack your bags. We're leaving. And it was just that quick. Yeah. And, you know, you never want to let a good crisis go to waste. And so there is a lot of that. And schools and school district design have been impressively resilient to any degree of real change uh, and have been for decades and decades and decades. Um, and so, you know, a, yeah, a bit of ripping the Band-Aid off is not the worst thing in the world um, when you're you're trying to, you know, fairly fundamentally rethink not just the practices of learning, um, but even the sort of central goal set that we all hold out for what skills and mindsets um, kids should have when they graduate from high school. So, you know, good on that. And now we're all facing extreme levels of difficulty in, in figuring out how to actually execute on that opportunity. I, I agree with you, right? And even as we go through, you know, we've been through the, those last 15 weeks. School is now out for myself, for many teachers. You know, we're, we're wrapping things up. I, I'm conscious of the fact that I only have about a month and a half to seriously regroup. You know, we didn't have time to really breathe, but I am now planning. Even though it's like the first week of, of summertime, I'm planning for what will happen if we go back for a month, a day. What happens if I go back for a month and I only have 10 or 15 kids? And I got to do it twice a day. I mean, there's so many different variables going on here. You happen to be the director of an amazing group called the Next Generation Learning Challenges, NGLC. Tell us a little bit about it and what are you doing these days in your role as director? Next Gen Learning uh, Challenges, NGLC, is about 10 years old. Our name, which is um, a little bit ungainly, is, is quite literal. We were created by the Gates Foundation and Hewlett Foundations 10 years ago to challenge the field to reinvent itself. I mean, there was a moment of refreshing foundation clarity there where they said, 
I don't think we're going to figure this out, you know, ourselves here in our conference rooms and on our whiteboards. The best things we can do to help imagine what schools and learning could be like for 21st century definitions of student success is to find a way to surface the most inventive educators out there um, and support them to build the schools of their dreams. And so that's what we've been trying to do for 10 years. Um, we've given away now more than 90 million or so in foundation money where we are grantees, but then we become grantors. And we run one competitive challenge-based wave of invitation after another um, that uh, helps to propel educators to create these schools and then connect them to each other so that they are learning from each other. And then we learn from what they're learning and then we communicate that across the field and everyone can have free access to all of that at nextgenlearning.org. That's our URL. Certainly check out the website nextgenlearning.org. And of course, you can check out their Twitter over at nextgenic. Now, Andy, talk to us a little bit about your, your work here. You said it's all about connecting and learning from each other. Can you tell me a few things that maybe you guys have learned from your school districts? Oh, I don't know. Over the last 15 weeks. Yeah. Uh, so the, the school districts that we're studying most closely right now are the ones who have come to an understanding of a central premise that on its face makes utterly logical sense to anybody and yet turns out to be the hardest thing for crusty old bureaucratic you know organizations like school districts to do and that is um, to work on the premise that everything that you hold um, out as part of the goal set for kids and the kinds of learning methodologies that will bring them there. So if you really want to raise, you know, 21st century um, graduates who are good problem solvers and lifelong learners, and they are resilient and agile, and they're ready to take on the amazing challenges of this century, then guess what? You know, the adults in your system, uh, every, every one of them all have to be working inside of a professional culture that reflects all of those attributes, right? And so if your teachers are not working in an environment where their sense of agency is respected and they see that they have ownership and some latitude in working with each other to figure out how to solve common problems of practice and so on, and they are part of every design loop to try to figure out how a school or a district could do its work better, then how are you gonna communicate all that genuinely to kids? You can't get to agency and resilience through a compliance-based model. And yet, you know, that's how most schools and school districts are organized. It's, it's really how most of society is organized, right? All around hierarchy and compliance where one layer is just reporting into the next layer. And so in these school districts, they have completely flipped that. Um, and they're doing it in ways that, uh, you know, aren't um, full of basket weaving and let a thousand flowers bloom, but they have figured out a way to, to move to an entirely different way of doing things. Now, one of the things that we're looking to do and we're looking to move is 
You know, Andy, I, I got to bring it up here. We've been talking about this concept of 21st century learning, and everybody thought for the last 20 years that it meant digital thinking, digital this. I, I'm starting to think that 21st century learning it needs to have a new definition, which is remote and remote teaching and, and not just digital, but really distance and trying to figure this thing out i mean clearly this is this is right now this isn't the future being able to teach in a hybrid form is imperative right now we've already made the turn it's not even called future learning anymore future readiness this is the now what are some of the things that you can help out a, a school district if they reach out to you if they decide to work with you know nglc what are some of the things that we can do to support each other as teachers and and as school districts so, uh, yeah, the important thing I think to realize in what you just said is that, sure, uh, working, recognizing that learning happens everywhere, um, that remote um, learning uh, outside of the school walls is is was already happening even before COVID struck. It just you know schools, if they had anything to do with that, it might have been extracurriculars or homework. But aside of that, it wasn't just sort of not their job. Um, to say that 21st century learning uh, involves uh, remote instruction and needs to have really widespread access to Wi-Fi and all that is, is true and important. It's actually not the most important thing. Um, and the schools and the districts that have gone farthest um, in their work in defining what 21st century learning and outcomes look like, uh, we think are the ones that that start with a, a, a community-wide conversation around what that new vision for success looks like. You know, we, we're just working our way through 20 years of standards where uh, the definition for success was really what we knew how to test efficiently, and that that became the standards around math and ELA. And then that became the de facto definition of success for way too many schools and for way too many kids. Very important. You know, of course, all of those academic skills are no less important now than they ever were. And we don't need any more data to know that they are by themselves woefully insufficient as indicators for readiness for what comes after high school you know there's all the data about about our percentages of, of, of kids who either don't matriculate into college or some other form of post-secondary training or don't persist while they're while they're you know they're they're pretty bad numbers um and so uh, you know it, it's it's the community enlistment in really developing their vision for what uh, a 21st century outcome for students needs to be that is sort of the jet fuel for everything that follows. So it sounds like what really needs to happen here, if I can sum that up, is we need to be rethinking what our strategic plans are, both from a, uh, you know, not only just budget and where we're going to be putting things, but budgets and how we're going to be preparing for the unknown here. So many school districts right now are looking at professional development in a different form than they did 12 months ago. 
you know, we, we just did a show on virtual boot camps, whereas last year we did a show on how do you get through a six-hour in-person boot camp. I mean, those are two totally different philosophies. So many school districts out there right now are looking at putting in millions of dollars into extra busing, extra transportation, you know, whereas I, – and I know some, some school districts were laying off a lot of staff. Now they're trying to get back more teachers and then some because of smaller class sizes. Right. Yes. So um, uh, strategic plans obviously need to be rethought, certainly for the next year and a half to two years. Um, the most forward thinking among the districts that we're working with all have created uh, different forms of strategic plans. Um, they may be required by their states to have strategic plans that are fairly traditional and map everything out. And it's like, okay, here's what we would do if we were going to go to the moon. And it's all very linear and so on. The, the ones that I'm talking about may still have to do those plans, but in the way they operate as a team and as an organization, they are much more fluid than that. And they're much more, um, enabling of the voices of all of the adults and in some cases the kids in in actually you know being part of how we're gonna take on this set of challenges i mean the 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 opportunity this spring with so much of the accountability requirements going away and and everyone being thrust into a new normal anyway so where do we go from here, Andy? As we're looking forward to the summertime, you know, we, we just discussed a different form of plan moving for two mm -hmm. years down. And, and, you know, strategic plan is one thing. As a teacher, the classroom plan, the classroom curriculum certainly needs to be fluid. I mean, I can't right now buy 30 robots and bring them into my classrooms. I got to wash everything down. And who's got time for that right now? And, and I mean, my, my, you know, music teachers of the world, I don't know what you're going to do, right? Like all these different things. But, yeah. but what is what is your recommendation? What what do the, you know, what does the team at the, uh, you know, Next Gen Learning look like? What do we, what do we want to be thinking about this summer? I think every teacher out there should be thinking about who his or her allies are um, in their school. Um, and using whatever moments their their amazing hectic um, lives allow them to have um, over the course of the summer to say, how can we raise our voices and be part of um, helping our community respond to this? You know, I, one of the things that we see here a lot in Massachusetts is a lot of quote unquote waiting for guidance you know uh we're the this district is is not going to do anything about you know advancing new new teaching and curriculum we're waiting for guidance from the state you know and teachers are saying well we're waiting for guidance from our district and the kids are out there saying well you know we're tired of waiting for guidance from our teachers you know i i'm so much more drawn to teachers and school leaders and district leaders who say a version of what one of our local superintendents here said, which was, I, you know, we are just all about providing as much deep and powerful and personalized and student-centered learning as we can for as many of our students as we can. 
as as quickly uh, as we can. That that was their mantra this spring, and they're continuing that moving into the summer. If you're not doing that, or your school or your district are not doing that, then I think teachers need to bang a drum and say, you know, why not? Why, why are we why are we not taking this moment to embrace whatever opportunity it brings us, even despite all of the challenges, um, to think about how we can use it to work with our kids in a way that's different from simply trying to stick what we used to do in school into their home environments through a, a remote fashion. You know, that's pretty compartmentalized thinking. Andy, we would certainly love to have you guys back on and, and maybe we can continue this conversation with additional teachers. If you guys have any thoughts on this subject, we would love to hear from you guys. Of course, there's several great ways that you can reach out and be a part of our show. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message at TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. And of course, you can always email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. We would love to have you guys on the show and maybe we can set up a time where we can all talk about what the future of your school districts are, your classrooms are, and really where are we going over the next couple of years? And Andy, please feel free to come back on anytime and continue this conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, I'm going to give you guys one, give you one last word here, Andy. Where, what advice do you have, right? I'm a new teacher. I'm an experienced teacher. I'm trying to figure this out. What can I be focused on this summer? So make sure that when I get back to school, it's as, as amazing as possible for my students. Uh, my advice would be don't wait for guidance through the usual systems. Um, you know, find the find the people that you respect most um, among your team. Go online to sources like yours, you know, and find others who are who have had ideas um, and have tried things out that speak to you. You know, it, this is a moment for personal resilience and agility and entrepreneurship. And so everyone out there's got some of that and that includes every teacher in America. And that would be my advice. Go find it, make it your own. That, that is certainly good advice and advice I'll be taking this year, trying to figure out where I'm going with all my classes. I'm looking forward to putting it all together. And, and Andy's advice, just do it. Just figure it out and fi you know, make your own path, find your own PLN. Andy, one more time, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope this isn't the last time. Please come back on the show soon. And bring some of our educators with me next time. Uh Absolutely. Just like we would love to have you guys on our show and be a part of the Teacher Cast Educational Network. Don't forget, every single Monday, we drop our Ask the Tech Code show featuring myself and Susan Vincent talking about the best in professional learning and how you guys can create an amazing virtual and physical professional learning development uh, program for your students. Of course, on Mondays, we drop the Jeff Bradbury show talking about how you guys can build your EDU brand. We get into web design, marketing, social media, you name it. If it's in interesting in marketing and branding, that is the show for you. And of course, we're going to be expanding our teacher cast podcasts all, all summer to include amazing topics such as this one. One last time, I want to say thank you to our good friend Andy Calkins for coming on. And thank you guys for listening and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. On behalf of everybody here in TeacherCast, my name is Jeff Bradbury. Keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to the TeacherCast Educational Network, hosted by Jeff Bradbury. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter, at TeacherCast. 
or online at www.teachercast.net. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.